0: I'm Yadira Garindo for N Equals One, a podcast about science and discovery at UC San Diego. In each episode, we bring you the story of one project, one discovery, or one scientist. Today on N Equals One, we're tackling a subject that might be considered a bit taboo, but that is a global problem. According to the most recent data from the National Human Trafficking Hotline, incidents of trafficking in the United States rose by more than 35% in 2016. According to the hotline, trafficking is a form of modern-day slavery in which traffickers use force, fraud, or coercion to control victims for the purpose of engaging in commercial sex acts or labor services against his or her will. Joining us from the front lines of the UC San Diego Health Hospitals and Clinics to discuss this are Dr. Regina Wong, Assistant Clinical Professor in Family Medicine and Public Health, In addition to seeing patients, she also trains medical students and residents at UC San Diego School of Medicine and the UC San Diego Family Medicine Residency Program. And we also have two extraordinary nurses, Sarah Williamson, a clinical nurse in our La Jolla Emergency Department, and Karen Mitchell-Keels, a clinical nurse educator and outreach manager in the Department of Emergency Medicine. For many people, the thought of human trafficking conjures images of law enforcement breaking up rings. but many may not know of the role that hospitals play. Ladies, thank you for joining us.
1: Let's start with what is the role of hospitals in human trafficking? Healthcare providers play a major role in the care of human trafficking victims. In fact, in a study of sex trafficking survivors in the United States, 88% reported that they had seen a healthcare provider during the time of their exploitation, but they weren't identified as a victim at that time, and that's due to a number of factors. For one thing, there's just the covert nature of human trafficking in and of itself, uh, which makes it difficult to identify victims and to really obtain true statistics of the occurrence of how many individuals we're seeing in the healthcare system as well. Victims are also groomed to conceal their abuse with fabrications about their presenting symptoms And despite these challenges, um, there are some red flags of human trafficking that we can be aware of as healthcare providers to help kind of navigate us to identify human trafficking victims more readily. And first of all, that's an overprotective individual that's accompanying a suspected victim. So you might see an individual with a potential victim and they're really overbearing and they might talk for the patient, and they might refuse to leave the patient's side. So that can be a clue to us to look further and look deeper into the situation, and maybe there's something else going on that we're not aware of. The potential victim also might have a vague or inconsistent history of their presenting symptoms. They might have poor eye contact, also a flat affect, or even an unexpected demeanor. Uh, They also, A suspected victim might also be really apprehensive or hostile if law enforcement is mentioned, and that's because it really puts them in danger. So if they let on what's going on about, um, if they're being sex trafficked or labor trafficked, then they might receive bodily injury or they might even be killed. So that's why you're gonna see their demeanor completely change if you say anything about law enforcement. Another clue might be if you see an individual who doesn't actually carry their own um, identification documents, and that can be another way that a trafficker exhibits control over that individual. Also, I did want to touch on some illnesses that we might see victims come in with. For sex trafficking victims, it can be sexually transmitted infections, um, multiple pregnancies, or abortions, and for sex or labor trafficked victims, Uh, They might have mental health problems, lacerations, broken bones, head injuries, and also a huge one is illicit drug use.
0: I know it's kind of hard to tell, Sarah, I know um, those were great bits of information, but I'm wondering if they come in alone, do they still seem to be, you know, still hiding what's going on? Are they more likely to
1: reveal that they're victims of human trafficking? They still are reluctant to share what's going on. And I think that's sort of a unique opportunity for healthcare providers on the front lines to really be able to identify and give them a safe place to. To feel like they're comfortable to share what's going on, but also we have to recognize that they might just not be willing to disclose for a number of reasons, whether they're under the influence of drugs or they're just terrified that something's going to happen to them or their loved ones because they're threatened.
2: Oftentimes also victims may not view themselves as victims, so if you approach them as a victim, they're not going to see themselves as such Um, And we might take other approaches because sometimes they actually might have a love relationship with their trafficker and be willingly working for this person.
0: Dr. Wong, what do we do if we do realize that there is a person who is a victim of human trafficking? How do you talk to them? What do you say to them to try to get them some help?
2: I think one of the most important things is listening to the patient and showing respect and compassion. Um, We can't force someone to share their story or to even open up to us at that first visit. It might take multiple visits, either at a clinic or at the hospital before someone is willing to open up. And once they open up, we have many options for connecting them to resources. It could be through a social worker, um, it could be through clinical nurse
0: managers, and community groups as well. So we know that San Diego is a spot for human trafficking. Is that because we're a border town and the victims are being smuggled from other countries?
2: This is actually a common misconception. According to a study from the University of San Diego and Point Loma Nazarene University, most trafficking victims in the San Diego social services system, roughly 80%, are born in the United States. Human trafficking occurs all across San Diego County, from north to south. It crosses socioeconomic strata. Victims can be male or female of any race. They can come from wealthy or impoverished backgrounds. However, there is a strong correlation between victimization, homelessness, and foster care. In San Diego, the average age of entry into sex trafficking is 16 years old, which is a little bit older than the national average.
0: How do people pick their victims? Do we have any information as to who makes the most likely victim?
2: The studies do show that homelessness and foster care is a huge risk factor for becoming a victim, but anyone is at risk of becoming a
3: victim as well. I think it's important to note with our growing numbers of homelessness, in San Diego in particular that we're going to see more and more of this coming into the emergency department and I think that that's the reason why it's so important for the nurses on the front line as well as the physicians and the social workers to have a, an acute awareness of, of this growing problem.
0: Karen is it the emergency department where we first see these people or are there other areas of the hospital where where human trafficking victims come in?
3: Well, just by the nature of the emergency department being the front line and the, and the threshold of the hospital, then we're gonna see the, the highest numbers, I believe, of, uh, of this in the emergency department.
1: And I can actually speak to that. I know in the study I mentioned earlier, 63% of them said they were seen in the emergency department. So yes, a huge percentage are coming through the ER specifically.
2: And then other areas in healthcare, we might come across a victim are outpatient clinics, Planned Parenthood, and even dental offices. Dental offices. Interesting. Because they're selling an image, so, so oh, the, the oh, victims need to have good dental care.
0: That makes a lot of sense. You don't think about those things. Planned Parenthood, you understand, mm-hmm. but yeah, image, that's, that's really important. It's marketing. My understanding is also that there's a loop between Las Vegas, Santa Barbara, and San Diego that was mentioned to me that are brought through these different communities. And so it's not necessarily just that the victims are local either, that they can come from neighboring communities as well, where there's a lot more of the human trafficking problem. Do we have any sense for, you know, in San Diego County? I I think, Karen, you mentioned that it's you think it's likely to be a growing problem.
3: I think that our numbers of homelessness are growing in San Diego and in California. I know uh, probably I want to say a few years ago it was quoted that we were the third largest leading city in, in homelessness. So you figure um, as resources continue to dwindle for homeless folks and, and weather conditions, lots of things attract the homeless population to San Diego. And so you see the things in the community like the tent cities and all the resources that are, are made available for homeless folks, then that also is an attraction from those neighboring states that you mentioned.
0: Sarah, why don't you tell us about what, what you're doing at UC San Diego
1: Health? I'm a registered nurse in the emergency department. On a daily basis, I'm interacting with patients and regularly providing patient care. And I'm also um, an educator. We have annual competencies, so I'm involved in training the nurses. But in terms of human trafficking... At present, we don't know the actual number of human trafficking victims that we see in the emergency department or in the um, healthcare system overall, so with the help of the human trafficking committee, I developed an evidence-based practice study which aims to identify victims of human trafficking and in turn to figure out the incidents of human trafficking victims that are actually coming into UC San Diego healthcare system. And this is by asking just a couple screening questions. Uh, And right now we're in the final stages of IRB approval with that study. And this is as part of my clinical nurse advancement. Once the study is complete, we plan to integrate those screening questions into the nursing assessment so that we can screen for human trafficking victims on in outpatient and inpatient settings as well, just so that we are more aware of the victims that we're seeing, and so that we can ultimately provide them with resources. We have excellent community resources that I think you can maybe speak to a little bit more than than I can, Dr. Wang. Sure.
2: Um, San Diego is both very unique and fortunate to have so many well-organized community groups. Um, They serve trafficked men, women, and children. We also have a strong survivor leader network whose members support victims, assist county agencies, and educate the public. There are also groups that offer direct patient care, advocate for victims, provide intensive case management, and provide much-needed therapy and housing for our victims.
3: One of the things that we found while Sarah was working on her uh, evidence-based practice was that we didn't have a universal policy. In other words, we didn't have a standardized policy uh, practice in terms of identifying and linking these victims to resources. And so that's really the beginnings of where we're starting right now. The MCP actually is, the underpinning of that is uh, kind of based on the mandated reporting guidelines that we have, and, and a group to really mention that we haven't mentioned much of who really has been um, a great leader in this is our Department of Social Work. And the emergency department, we have a a dedicated group of social workers and case managers that are managed by care coordination. And they are really the frontline experts that we get involved really early. As a nurse, if you are encountered by someone who you think may be a human trafficking victim, then certainly that's something that nurses and physicians wouldn't handle independently. It's something that we really depend greatly on on their expertise and their clinical backgrounds.
0: And I think that's part of the reason why all of you helped in coordinating this human trafficking awareness week that happened in January to try to just bring more awareness to all those folks because there's gonna be a lot of people throughout the hospital system that would be seeing victims and not knowing it.
2: Yeah, so the Human Trafficking Week will have many community groups coming from all across San Diego. They will be setting up tables throughout the week where attendees, whether from the community or from the hospital and clinics, will be able to learn about the valuable work these groups are doing in the community. And the UCSD residents and faculty physicians from the frontline departments across the health system, such as family medicine, obstetrics, internal medicine, psychiatry, emergency medicine, they will all have the opportunity to learn from a national expert who will be joining us from Brigham and Women's Hospital in Boston, as well as from survivor leaders here in San Diego.
3: And this has been a, a great opportunity for nursing to really take this by the horns. And what we, we really wanted the nurses in particular to understand prevalence of, of this problem in San Diego and at UCSD. And particularly, we wanted to be sure that we understood how to best serve this patient population and not put them at risk. Because it's super important that you understand their world so that you, we can better serve them.
0: And nurses are on the front line, so you're most likely the first to encounter some of these issues. Absolutely. So this is great that the committee put on this Awareness Week. How do we respond to this issue as a healthcare system? So
2: as a healthcare system, it
0: requires people
2: across multiple disciplines working together to recognize the problem and finding ways to address it. The three of us are members of UCSD's Response to Human Trafficking Committee. As a committee, we're we're working to formulate a coordinated response to the human trafficking epidemic. We are currently finalizing a system-wide protocol for our hospitals to identify victims and connect them to the appropriate resources already in place across the county. I also attend county-wide interdisciplinary meetings convened by Child Welfare Services. These meetings are attended by representatives from law enforcement, healthcare, and various community groups. Child welfare has recognized that combating human trafficking requires a team effort and that communication between key stakeholders is essential. The healthcare system serves a crucial role by not only identifying trafficked victims and referring them to appropriate resources, but also by providing high quality, compassionate care to meet victims' physical and mental healthcare needs.
0: Yeah, it's interesting because you think about it, and you know, going back to that thought that a lot of people think of human trafficking—you know, law enforcement coming up and breaking up these rings. But what then? What happens to these people? They—they they need medical attention. They need mental health services. Um, so it, it's not just okay. We we rescued them, and that's the end. There. Right. There's more to it. Exactly.
3: I think it's important to remember remember that often we look at our efforts as a rescuing, but as Dr. Wayne mentioned earlier, that often the person that's presenting to the hospital is not looking for rescuing. So we have to be very mindful that we're listening really to what their needs are and respecting that and and to do that without judgment. So we've got our work cut out in front of us in terms of uh, getting the awareness to the staff so that people... Can really start to look inside their own ideas and values about this problem and so that we can work together with our patients versus feeling like we're rescuing them from a lifestyle that they may not be looking for rescuing for. Them.
2: And part of the plan <coughs> for the Response to Human Trafficking Committee after we finalize this hospital protocol for identifying victims is actually to form formulate educational plans and protocols across multiple departments and disciplines to educate staff about how to treat and care for these victims.
3: I know I can speak for the emergency department as the clinical educator there, that our future plans will be including, adding some um, information of this nature in our annual skills day. And that's a real important venue to use because we reach 100% of our nurses in terms of training, skills, competencies, things of that nature. But we also look into areas such as this during those times. And this will be a really good venue for us to use.
0: Karen, if someone on the nursing team, a doctor, or other healthcare worker does identify a person who is a victim of human trafficking, what happens next?
3: Well, certainly, we all work together first and foremost to treat the patient and their presenting problem. So if they've got a medical problem, that's our first uh, focus. But it's really important to know too, that I mentioned earlier that there is a Department of um, Care Coordination that has actually trained and designated clinical licensed social workers stationed in the emergency department. We've got pretty good coverage at both sites. This department actually is the one who we work closely with in consultation. We're all mandated reporters and we all have a responsibility to report, but as you can imagine, reporting uh, something in this, in the human trafficking issue, takes another level of expertise that we're really trying to learn more about so that we can at least provide the frontline nurses with a skill set that will be able to to identify and, and make that consultation a little bit more accurate. Again, we don't always know who we're seeing, and we don't always know if they want help, and those are two big things that are the focus of, of our education is early identification, and then, and then most importantly is to maintain patient safety and be sure that those patients are treated respectfully compassionately, and we want to be aware that there are consequences to not handling this appropriately, so that's what the biggest part of our education will focus on. How to be aware and how to report appropriately using our mandated reporting guidelines.
0: Well, thank you, Dr. Wong, Sarah, Karen, for sharing these details about this project that you've launched to raise awareness about human trafficking, for what you're doing for these victims, you know, trying to help them through a difficult time. You guys are incredible for what you do. We should not end this podcast without sharing an important resource. Victims of human trafficking can reach out for assistance through the National Human Trafficking Hotline by calling 888-373-7888, or they can send an email to help at humantraffickinghotline.org. More information is available on their website, humantraffickinghotline.org. And that concludes our episode. For N Equals One, I'm Yadira. Thanks for joining us.